Hi, this is Joseph Arthur. Thanks for checking out Come to Where I'm From. Please support us on Patreon, patreon.com slash come to where I'm from. We are an independent podcast, and any contributions you can make are greatly appreciated. Joseph Arthur, come to where I'm from podcast. Hello. Episode 90, I think. Congratulations, yeah. 90 episodes later. Is this episode 90? Yeah, it's episode 90. That's kind of perfect. Yeah, it's bananas. Well, the album came out in 2000, but almost. I just mean that the 90th episode of the podcast is just it's just down to me and you sitting here. <laughs> Isn't that wild? Yeah, it is. And we're here to celebrate Come to Where I'm From album. Isn't that the wild the way the universe works? Yeah, it's been almost a year. That we've been doing Wait, the podcast? Yeah, we started like June 28th or 29th of last year. Is that right? Yeah, with... With Jesse, with a two, with Jesse, with a two month break for, down in the, for coronavirus. Yeah, down in the basement yeah. of uh, Coney, Coney Island, Island baby. baby, aka Brownies, aka Lola. Yeah. Um, High fidelity. So this episode is different, where you are the guest. So come to where I'm from with Joseph Arthur, special guest Joseph Arthur. Mm-hmm. And, um. We're going to talk about the re-release of Come to Where I'm From that came out this week or on the 12th, June 12th, I, I believe, last Friday. Uh, I don't know. I guess it came yeah, out. It yeah, came, it's out. It's out. It just came out like last yeah, week. It's out. 20th anniversary. And um, the original album, if you remember, came out. Do you know when it came out? I really don't. It like came two, out 2000. April 11, 2000. Yeah. Oh, okay. And it was put out by Real World. Yeah. Who are also doing the re-release. Yeah. It was the. It was the. I re- my memory of that was coming back to New York City. I don't know where I was from. I was traveling a lot then because it was like Virgin Records kind of like really took a big interest in the record. And come to where I'm from. And come to where I'm from. So it was kind of like I got a major label vibe with it and i remember going to like uh tower records and there was, and it was like which one in the village or times square or union square um the one i get not really in the village the one over by like where there was one on west wh- by broadway yeah, yeah west Fourth. Yeah. So, that's know, the village I guess it's west village east what village not like, unclear territory that's that middle between yeah. the two villages <laughs> yeah, yeah but what do you call that no that's called nolita no no that's called noho it's lafayette and great jones there exactly yeah it now it's a soul cycle yeah anyway i went in there and the record was not just um like in a you know on the shelf normally it had a big display in the center of the Mm. store with a bunch of them and i was like holy shit and they had the headphones that you could listen to with all the stations there (laughs) yeah but it was yeah so i was like wow that was wild to like i just that was that burned in my brain because i wasn't expecting that like those moments that that was post-release yeah that was the day it came out Oh, okay i went to tower and it was like i was like oh they're promoting this because my first record didn't like didn't exactly blow up (laughs) but now you mentioned the first record before we dive into come to where i'm from Mm -hmm. so what just a little history most people who are fans of our podcast know you and know some of your history Mm -hmm. and we don't like to set the format where we span everyone's history 
but your first album, Big City Secrets, uh, what proceeded to that, to you getting signed by Peter Gabriel's label and then putting out Big City Secrets? Mm, well, I was like uh, in Atlanta for about four years or three years. I don't know. It was my first like adult life uh-huh. moves. You know, after high school, I didn't go to college. I just moved out to Atlanta with a band. The minute high school ended? Yeah, like four days later. <laughs> okay. Which band? This wasn't Frankie. It Cosmos. was called, no, Frankie, Frankie Star. Frankie Star. <laughs> but I love Frankie Cosmos. That, I think that's another band. Is that already a band? I think so. Nuh-uh. Yeah, it is? It's a, already a thing? Well, it, <laughs> damn, because I was about to do something with that. Frankie Cosmos. Frankie Cosmos. That's, that's pretty great. So anyway, um, so you moved with this band, where yeah, you- called Ten Zen Men. Nice. Yeah, and and I played bass. I didn't even sing yet. I still played bass and was slapping and popping. And it was, was that like, a bar band? I mean, I don't know. It was like funk rock, you know. I don't know what you'd call it. Chuck DeFrancis and Mike Hammer was the drummer, and Chuck wrote songs. And so they were just moving there. There, there was this uh, promoter in Atlanta that they knew. And so we moved down there and played a couple gigs. I got a gig at the Cotton Club and started touring and stuff like that. Um, and st- we what, stuck with it, it for, no, we never, I mean, it was cool. It had a thing. It definitely yeah. had an energy and it was like, but I mean, in terms of happening, in terms of like popularity, no. Right. You know, we never really found. But we, you were chasing it. Going we were, oh, we were night. going for yeah. it. Yeah, yeah, we were kind of going for it. I mean, it was also moving and also just like, so like surrogate family, you know, dealing with life and, and all that. Life is so intense when you're 18, you know. Tell me about it. So, <laughs> um, so yeah, just figuring it out, I guess. Was the songwriter and you then starting to like, bubble up where you tried to write some of the songs or you were just taking the back seat and sticking to bass i was like a very creative bass player and then i would write like instrumental stuff on my own um but yeah i guess like more and more i was just getting interested in like people like bob dylan and stuff like that and i used to be more into fusion and instrumental music Mm -hmm. and stuff like that so then I was like, wait, I want to sing, you know, and I and I would sing along to things and sound good to myself. Right. Like I was like, I could sing. I could tell I could sing. And I think it turns out I could sing, you know, like, but I mean, I definitely grew as a singer. The more you do it, you just kind of grow. But I felt like I felt like, you know, I had some sort of a lot of fear. There's a lot of fear around singing. Yeah. Until you just start doing well, it. You say you just open just air coming out right what you always tell people it's not a sustained sustained talking talking. (laughs) yeah i love putting it like that but But did you bring it up to the band and say hey guys you know maybe let me sing a song um there was like uh no i didn't even sing background vocals like i was like considered a non-singer like like i you know like and then one time we were i just remember real vividly one time that we were rehearsing and Mike and I were just down in the basement and waiting for Chuck, and we were going over one of the, like one of the songs that had a nice melody, 
and I started singing it in the microphone. Okay. <laughs> I, I, it's funny because like with s things like singing and things like painting, it's the same thing. Like with painting, you just go to the art store and buy a couple canvases and some paints. And you can do it. You're a painter. Right. <laughs> it's True. a weird like little doorway to go through that's yeah. just a little, it's all- Couple steps. Couple steps. Like just, go, it's an investment. Same thing with singing. Like you step up to a microphone and start singing while there's music playing, then you're, you're a, singer. a singer. That's it. And that was it was like a thing like that. It happened. Did and it I, did it click then? It clicked because I heard myself over the speakers and I knew that I sounded pretty good. Like I was like, "Wait, I sound pretty good." All right. There's no reason I can't sing. And then from then on I was like kind of like started I guess yeah, trying to write songs and then I ultimately left that band and started my own band. Um, called Belly Button, and oh. we were like, I don't know what we were—funk, rock, metal—with you as the lead, hardcore, like, yeah. And I was the singer, and I would just play ridiculously complicated, complicated <laughs> rock. And like, were you doing guitar <laughs> then, or did you? No, I played still bass. bass. Still I still bass. Play bass. Yeah, wow, I was always singing, singing and screaming and slapping wow. and popping my head off. <laughs> a trio? What was that? Yeah, it was a trio. Yeah, with Chad on guitar and Randy. Nice. Yeah, and uh, it was fun. Um, it was fun, and 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 we went after it for a while, and then you know, um, that the whole idea then was like Atlanta. It was the '90s, and the whole idea was to like make people like hardcore, like thrash and scream and stuff, like while you played live. Mm -hmm. Like it was really all about getting a mosh pit to go nuts. Right. Yeah. That was a huge. True. That was so. That was the point. That was the point. Yeah. I mean, it literally was just the point for so many years. And like, I just remember when it occurred to me that like, wait, maybe that doesn't have to be the point. Right. And that's when I like got like an acoustic guitar and started just realizing that when I made the song structure simple then the melody and the lyrics could have like a space to be more complex. So it just kind of did this flip. Cause before I was like, like all the like complications was in the music and in the arrangements and all that. And so the melody and the words had to just be like, they were, matter. they were kind of limited to where they could go. Yeah. You know, so then uh, w when I broke through there, then I just started writing these songs I like stop being in a band and i just like was working jobs and just recording at night at home at home on what on like an an adat like by elisa's you were writing writing lyrics down on paper and just like recording what whatever. i just started writing songs yeah that were like more acoustic and more sort of folky and uh, that didn't give a shit if people moshed in a pit or not. Right. You know, it was liberating. But did you do open mics and actually no. play those songs for anyone? No. Just by yourself? No, I just did it like cowardly and in my bedroom. Ah. <laughs> you didn't feel the need to like go out there? I did ultimately. Yeah, I started to. I, I, but I did it with a band. Never solo. I think I did. I think I did, but. No, I don't. Not not right away. No, I still had a band. Okay. I still thought of it as band music. Um, I made like fake drums and stuff like that, and um, yeah. So, so you recorded some tracks, and then we're trying to shop them around. Yeah, I was. I I recorded. 
And then, I mean, we, yeah. So you made a cassette tape pretty we much. made a cassette with Belly Button, and we shopped that around and never got anywhere with that. Uh, and then... Uh, how did it work back you then? You would have to send like to just random right. addresses. Would you open a music magazine and, so, and look and start I forget. There shit? was like books that had all the right, addresses the and the fucking rec- of the record companies. And mainly you'd get them back like return to sender. They Never don't, show, yeah. They haven't looked at them. Uh, and, the, you know, the funny part about it is... Um, None of that ever went anywhere for me. And and with what ultimately got me signed, which was actually the first cassette I made with that new philosophy of simplifying uh-huh. the structure of the music. That very first one I made is what got me signed to Peter Gabriel's label. But th- but it was never sent to him. It was just given to some friend of mine. It ended up on his desk. It ended up on his desk. But I've told the story a gazillion times, right. and probably most people who are listening to this <laughs> yeah, heard it. Yeah, the story. Or, or like um, that know me have heard this story. But it's like, yeah, it was just like... I gave it to a friend who then gave it to somebody who worked at a record company. That guy sent it to somebody in New York who worked at a record company. And then that guy... Harvey Schwartz used to work for Peter Gabriel, gave it to him, and then he called me up and signed me. And you know, did you ask Harvey how many cassettes he usually gives Peter, or was that like he a told me he gave him? him five like acid jazz CDs and one cassette, which was mine. <laughs> and I, and and he played mine last after five acid jazz CD so rejects. He set the mood. It set he the set tone. the mood, <laughs> and then he put my cassette on, and Peter Gabriel like wanted to hear another song, and then he said, "Can I take that?" And then he took it on a plane with him and listened to it on the plane. And then Do you remember him. what songs were on there? I mean, history was on there. The, uh, your history acts as your gravity. So that's that, the one that sucked him in. That's the lyric that sucked him in. Mm. And what kind of version was on that? Is it similar to what's on Come to Where I'm From? I, I haven't listened. To, I can't remember. I, I mean, I remember it, but... Um, Do you still have that cassette? Ah, fuck, dude. You know what? I, I don't really. Don't. I, if I mean, somebody has it. Well, somebody sent me please. one. Somebody sent it to they me. They did? Yeah, so it's somewhere. Oh, but man. they. You got a digital. They sent it that. to the wrong person. <laughs> fuck. Because that was like. Yeah, so I don't know. I'm sure it's around somewhere. Maybe I sent it to Real World. I hope I did. Mm. I don't know. Okay, so Peter got the tape, liked what he heard on the plane, and then probably called you from the plane. No, that's <laughs> dude. That's the Peter fucking, Gabriel, bro. That's the that's the movie version. That's like the entourage. Like <laughs> I need him right away. I can't wait. Look at this dude. dude I can locate immediately. I can't wait for this plane. I can't wait for this. We can't wait for this land. Bird. Land, <laughs> land right now. I gotta yeah. find a landline. Uh, land. <laughs> yeah. That's the movie version. Uh. Land. Okay, so I've heard this story where you call and he left a message on your machine. Yeah. And then you pick up, then you get home, you listen, and then you're like, what the fuck? Oh, man. Okay. Let's fast forward. To Just a little bit. <laughs> no, come, on. come on. Holy shit. Bro. We're getting there. Um, oh, just what? Okay, so. So you get home, you play, you I press play, play. Yeah, yeah. I um, and I lived. Uh, I liked my little weird apartment. Then it was like this attic apartment, um, attic, like the top floor of a house, mm-hmm. not attic. Right, <laughs> attic um, apartment. I had a cat named Sean. 
Really? I never knew you had a cat. Yeah. Cool. Kind of. He kind of left for the neighbors, though. Which bailed on you. He sort of bailed on me. There was an old lady next door. <laughs> they kind of connected. <laughs> Maybe he didn't like your music, Poppy. <laughs> He's like, I'm out. <laughs> anyway, so um, yeah, and yeah, that yeah. That, well, what's the question? I listened to that a bunch of times. Right. So no, but then did he leave a number to call back? How do you contact him again? And then how does that conversation? Um. Work? No, I think. Uh, because the movie version, he I, sends a plane for you, and you go right ahead and yeah, meet I him can't. Same day. Well, no, I don't remember if he left a number or not, uh, and those that detail. But um, but basically, there was like another. I sent a, ended up sending another, another tape. tape, and then there was lots of time to where I didn't hear from them, and I thought it was gone. But and then you it still came. Kept working at the uh, and, and guitar then it, store, and it came back. Yeah, I was working full time at a guitar store called Clark Music. Mm-hmm. Uh, on Ponce de Leon in Atlanta. And uh, then ultimately they got back in touch with me and wanted to sign me. And um, So when do you pack your stuff and go to record the album? And there was also, I played in New York and then that's when Peter brought Lou Reed, but we don't want to go in that. We've told We've that story so many times. We've talked about the So after that mini audition... He makes up his mind and says he wants to. He wants to record. He wants to on your real world. That's when no. that conversation happens. And th- there was like th- there was like two benchmarks. It was like that thing, and then mm-hmm. WOMAD. They asked me to come out there and play WOMAD. That's in the UK. Yeah, and I went to the UK, and then uh, I went to Recording Week, and that's when I met like John Leckie and Chad Blake and all those people. And then I ended up just basically staying in London. But for so you, the Fez thing must have happened before that. Right. But for you to play the Fez thing and to play Womad, you weren't really a solo artist that was no, used I to was playing just, on stage. No, I was that's so like well, that was my first time. You just like jump in and just go for it. You were all in. Yeah, you just like come on. It's like when when you're also like when you're facing working minimum wage jobs. I mean, by that time I was 25 and I had never gone to college. Right. You know what I mean? I didn't have any other skill set really so it was like yeah you just kind of got to go for it okay so you record <laughs> big city secrets yeah with and, marcus and they put it out yeah and then how long and then i went to france and it was like instantly pretty uh big there popular in france which was really fun that was like my first experience of like having a kind of a like a success that like came down from beyond yourself how soon after the album did they like book a tour for you were you out right away or did you like wait a minute no i spent like a month in the english countryside developing uh performing with a loop and i was like uh nobody had done anything like that before really um Uh on the level of a singer songwriter like that and there was a guy named Paul Cantalone who kind of helped develop that with me. From back then? From re- I didn't from know he was, went that far back with you. Oh, no, no, sorry. Not Paul Cantalone. Um, shout out Paul Cantalone. Shout out Paul <laughs> Cantalone. No, um, oh my God, but I'm going to flake on the guy's name. Paul. Oh, no, I need Don't to. Don't look at me. <laughs> we could Google it. <laughs> Cut. I don't. There's no way to Google it. 
Okay, so you went out and you honed your your craft. I right? had his name, but what? like it got mixed up with Paul Cantle and his name. It's been a long time. Whose idea was that to do that? To go for a month and just try to. I think like real world was nurturing me at that time. So they would do things like that. Like it felt very familiar in a way like. Um, they were like, take a month, we'll put you on the country. Yeah. And we want you to develop a way that you can perform live. You know, like it was yeah. like there was a real mentoring going no on. No pressure situation. I mean, I wouldn't say no pressure. You know, there's pressure and there's like it's, time is unlimited, mm -hmm. you know. And there's quite a lot to figure out when you're like developing a new way of performing live, you know? And was that a headline tour for you? Oh, I don't, you don't remember? Nah, dude, it I was just, know. it was just basic. Like, I mean, I can't remember. Like, in I think so. They were a big machine back then. What, the real world? Yeah, in the 90s. I mean, they were affiliated with bigger machines as well. Yeah. Like, you know, you would go through Virgin, basically. So it was like a, you know, two, you kind of like had relationships with two different labels. You were signed to a label that was signed to a label. Kind of, <laughs> yeah. And then you would have to also forge your own relationships with, with both, both, with both labels. Right. And you like, nothing was like really guaranteed. It was like always like in between records, there's always like this, like, need to rebuild the entire thing yeah. again from the ground which is still true it's just the way the nature of things like every single time you have to rebuild the entire house you know yeah. so and so I, just after big city secrets there was really not that that had not done that 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 didn't do anything that impressed anyone in america right like it didn't blow up or anything like that. It did good in France though. So it did have like, it did give me like some kind of, um, you know, mo like, yeah, momentum and enthusiasm. And it, w it wasn't like dead. It wasn't a dead thing, but it was like still very much an uphill battle. And I just remember like, it wasn't really till Yves Beauvais sent the new demos I was working on to T-Bone Burnett. And then when T-Bone, um, flipped out over it and wanted to meet and produce the next record that's when virgin came back on board fully and was like oh okay we got something here and that right. that was like when things got real exciting again so how long of a wait period did because did you a like, long long time, long time a long time yeah like that's the thing like there's like you know like in between there's like six months maybe a year where you don't know what's gonna happen. You don't know what what's going on, and, and uh, you can't really go in a studio back then and just record, right? Like yeah, you, you do today. You can. I mean, like I had my own soul. I, I this whole time I've had my own like home studio situation from back then. Yeah, even okay. from pre real world. Like even down in Atlanta when I had a fucking ADAT and you know, the things I made those original that's demos. That's all that's needed. That's all that's needed. Right. As long as you have that going. And I always have that. So you're already making demos for what so, yeah, you I was, thought would be well, the Well, that's why, album. and that's why my albums were always like double albums with a ser set of four EPs and shit right. like that because I had so many songs. Cause there was so much time in between things and there's a lot of doubt and fear and worry. Yeah. So you just have to kind of like, you know, hopefully, it, you know, manifested again in a way. So you made that 
the demos and they got to T-Bone and he was excited. Well, Eve Beauvais sent them to T-Bone. To say, hey, do you want to produce this To guy? try to help me out. And Eve was the, uh, an A&R guy at Atlantic Records. Had no uh, professional affiliation with what I was doing. Mm -hmm. But just as like a patron of the arts type of character. A real a French gentleman. Right. So he you know, said that. Who had like a, one of the best jobs in the music business for, I think, over 17 years. He was like the A&R... Uh, Head of A and R of the the jazz department at Virgin at Atlantic. Oh, Atlantic. Oh. Yeah, he had no affiliation. Yeah, jazz, <laughs> but he could sign whatever he wanted to. Really? Yeah, he, could, he and he would sign Daniel Johnston. <laughs> nice. You know, that's how I ended up getting a chance to jam with him once. But right. Uh, anyway, but so he uh, with Jill Sobule with, with as Jill well, Sobule. Right? You were you guys were in, in the band for him. Yeah, yeah, and even Jill used to be uh, used to be like man and wife, or not husband and did wife. Did that show but, actually know, happen? Boyfriend right. and girlfriend. In the back of my mind, that show never happened, though, did it? No, you were, no it you never were, happened. But you rehearsed. We rehearsed, and then yeah, it kind. I mean, it did happen. I ended up actually doing a half-hour solo acoustic in front of a Daniel Johnston crowd at Knitting Factory. Right. And Daniel couldn't find his notebook, so then and didn't want to go on. And then he ended up going on and playing a couple songs after solo. So you, they scrapped the band. They scrapped the band. That's bananas. Yeah, but not not for any reason other than it just all went a little sideways. Yeah, yeah. And well, so it, so it got real trippy for everybody. You know what I mean? Okay. So so now we're back to come to where I'm from territory, and T-Bone wants to do it, and then what happens? So then... How many songs did you already have? Uh, I don't even know. Like a ton. A ton. A shitload. So you had to... He helped you weed through stuff? I mean, I don't, even, I don't remember specifics. I just remember that, like, I started going out to L.A. a lot, living at the Oak Woods... You know, working with T-Bone, who was just like this magical character. I mean, um, so uh, I don't know. Just very fun to be around his energy because it's uh, intense uh -huh. and smart and keyed in on things that aren't typical to people. So it's super interesting. And plus, he was investing a lot of his energy into me and into like my work and giving it a lot of love and support, which was also just like really like, I don't know, uh, gratifying. You right. know? It was great. It, 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 it's like a inside job, I feel like, his production. It's a, like an, a, a psychological thing almost. It gave me so much confidence to be with him and doing this that it was like, I don't know. Was it a lot of one-on-ones with you and him? I mean, we kicked it, you know, he would, and we would listen to, like, you know, old blues records or something Together. like that. Yeah, and there was a lot of, like, yeah, I can't, it's hard to explain right. the way. In the studio or at his house? Sometimes at his house, sometimes in the studio. It was super fun. It was nice. interesting. So you became, the, like, best buds for, like, a period of time. I mean, I wouldn't necessarily put it that way because it was surrounding, like, the this, album. it was a job as well. For You know, he was for acting him. as producer and... You know, but yeah, I mean, I definitely uh, feel for the feel for him as a, on a friend. I mean, I, right. you know, 
have a lot of love. I don't know how you put it. Yeah, yeah. And have a lot much, of love for How him. much of his influence <laughs> do you think is like in that album or on that album? You Can you well, hear it or it's it's just the overall attitude and the uh, yeah. way he makes you feel? No, I, I think there's a big influence on it. Yeah, I think his spirit looms on it, looms large and in a great way on it, you know. And where did you guys yeah. record it? Yeah, I have more of an appreciation for that the older I've become, you know. So, and I mean, also just like, you know, he brought in Jim Keltner, he brought in Rick Wilt, he brought in Carla Azar and the, you know, Pick Sound City. And it was like this, like, L.A. experience for me, like just to be on the West Coast. Right. and like First time for you, I guess, at the ba time. Basically, like, and then just becoming a transplant there. You know, and and uh, and working with like this incredible group of people, you know, and right. on, on this music that, you know, it also coming out off out of the big city secret thing, which felt like, I mean, were you dis not disappointed, but was it like? It was, it's just your, when you're making your first record, and it was like, and just at that time. Marcus Stravs was like such a, a great producer and um, also had such a strong vision. Mm -hmm. And yeah, it was just- almost, For Big City Secrets. For Big City yeah. Secrets, yeah. And it was like very collaborative in that way. You know, I was very much produced, I think. And in a great way, I, I, I really liked that record and mm -hmm. how it is. It's a great um, record, I mean. And, and just the way it sounds, you know, like it has no, there was a no reverb rule. He came from a Brian Eno school of production. It was just very modern and punk rock in my mind, you right. know. But but I wanted to make something that was like super free. And who connected like, you with like, him? Like I had that um, Velvet Underground aesthetic and that Nirvana aesthetic and just that like, I like that music, like Jackson Pollock painting type of thing i wanted to do something like that mm -hmm. and so there was a good energy of of that going into this making a come to where i'm from you know it was very different than big city secrets in that right. way like that's why they sound so different well were you wanting to like let loose on uh come to where i'm from sort of like just yeah literally a little bit out of the box and just go crazy and t-born facilitated that for you or you felt like he gave the permission to like, okay, this is just go with it. Yeah, that definitely. Um, yeah, there was like a matching of aesthetics there. I don't, I don't really remember right, right. How, the specific conversations about that, but there was definitely like, I don't remember any sort of tension in that department. You know, I mean, I think T Bone has a very, yeah, I don't know, seemed very open towards all kinds of happy accidents and turn, you know, I don't know how to yeah, put it. Yeah. Yeah. And Keltner also is probably magical to, to have him come in. Yeah. All the drum parts and all the band parts. Did you, or did you write all those parts or did that, was that sort of like in the studio sort of where it ended? How did that like, no, I didn't know. Like there's like the drums on invisible hands. Like that's Jim Keltner. And it's, some, it's just magical to me that beat. Like I, I didn't come up with that. Right. So he just comes yeah, in and he just you play him the track and, and he we, just, and we play together. Right. We just jam, jam in the studio. Yeah. And we keep start doing takes. Nice. And it just evolves, you know? So 
And it was also recorded in a magical studio. Yeah, Sound City. Right. And yeah, Fleetwood Mac recorded a lot there. Right. You know, I don't know. It's a big LA thing. Like Dave Grohl made the documentary. The documentary, about and it. then yeah. you dropped his name, and then in yeah, the re-release, okay. I, I want to say that I did drop his name. No, but in the re-release, hold on. But let me say, let me say a couple of things <laughs> yeah. about that uh, Rolling Stone yeah. story. Is yeah. that this? I did mention that you know he did do a version of In the Sun. Uh-huh. He did right. And I mentioned it. How did that happen? And then, but then it becomes a headline in Rolling Stone. Wait, well, let me just let me. I heard uh, of that before Rolling Stone that Dave Grohl was involved in the re-release. I know, but I'm trying to make another point. Yeah. Let me make let me make yeah, this yeah, point, yeah. and then <laughs> let me make this point, <laughs> yeah. and then we can keep going. All right. Yeah. Point is, I did not. You, you know, then it goes into a headline, right. and, it, and it overstates. Uh, yeah, Mr. Grohl's involvement. involvement. Of course. Okay. Yeah, yeah. So that's what I just want to say. <laughs> I didn't, but I did not push it. And then uh, this leading, let me just finish. Um, also, then it said in the thing that I was 46. And then I heard, I've been hearing through the grapevine, oh, that I said that I was 46 in the uh shlomo gave me shit for it with, for how old i don't i don't keep track of how old you are i don't know how old i am either and i don't really want to even say it out loud point being is this i did not tell them my age uh, they looked they it just up. Yeah, looked it up they you. somewhere and, and got changed your the wrong, and got the wrong age yeah yeah so okay, i'm just setting some records no but listen hold on i'm not done yeah i'm just setting records straight right. here one of the stone pay attention and what was the last record I wanted to set straight what? on that one? Your age, Dave Grohl. My age, Dave else? Grohl, and oh, I don't know. We can we what, can keep what going. Else? I guess those are the big ones. Has this been on the whole? Uh, those are the big ones. I think I can't remember. But so I mean, yeah, you, T-Bone shows up with Dave one day in the studio back then. And you guys just jam? Were you there when he did his Oh, he was track? producing this band called Verbena. Okay. With, uh, which was a great band. Dave um, was? Yeah, Dave okay. Dave was. In the and same studio. In the same that's it. Right. It's like, you know, you're 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 hanging in the there's you know, communal space. You, yeah, yeah. you end up kicking it and he's a super nice guy. It was no big deal. But yeah. he did come over and played a version in the sun. It was a cool version. T-Bone came back and did not like that version right. and was disappointed that we didn't get a great version of In the Sun uh, or to his way of thinking. And I wasn't sure if the re-release version might be that version. And, and to me, it sounds... I love the new version of In the Sun right. that just came out. So that could be it. I, I don't know. I haven't validated that or verified that, I should say. But the the funny thing is, is we could never get. Uh, I think I cut in the sun thirty five times really? with, with Jim Keltner, and ne- and the version that's ultimately on the record is my demo version. We never beat it. Like I, really? that's me playing drums on that on the version of in the sun that's on the you album. Took Keltner out. <laughs> We just used my demo yeah, version. Yeah. So no, we didn't take him out. He was never in yeah, the demo right version. We just no. then tried to recut it with Jim Keltner like 30 something times. Wow. We tried to recut it with Dave Grohl and we recut it with Carla Azar, but we just never beat that first version because T-Bone liked the vocal on the uh, first version. So it just, that was it. And it wasn't on a separate track where you could like use it. I don't know, dude. Right. That's just the one we use. That's crazy. Yeah. 
And who, whose idea was it to keep going 30 times? Well, it was just like one of those times where you know how you hear about Let's like just do it again. Elvis just do did it again. like, well, you know, name an Elvis song. Uh, Jailhouse Rock. Yeah. Elvis t did Jailhouse Rock like 400 times. 400 times. <laughs> really? Yeah. Uh, or the version that they used is take 75, so. you know? Uh, it's one of those <laughs> things. We're like old school rock and rollers just going, going, yeah, going, yeah, going. We yeah. did a lot. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and I, he I, heard, I heard or I read that um, T-Bone originally didn't want to use history in, in the album. Yeah, that was the other semi record I wanted to okay. set straight, which was just like, you know, that that's the funny thing about doing an interview like mm -hmm. that because um Well, we know Peter liked it from the demo. Hold on, I'm making another point yeah. about the setting record straight. <laughs> Listen, I don't usually Dude, interview people. Hey, you're doing a good job. I'm like, I'm lost in the interview. I'm having an inter like I'm having an interview experience, like I'm being interviewed by a. a but we're setting records. A fucking professional right. over, over cheers, there, mate. Cheers, cheers geezer. Cheers, mate. Cheers, hey. mate. You know what I mean? Easy, easy, easy. No, so no, but like I, I, I hope I've expressed like I like the love I have for the people who were involved in the making of that record, mm -hmm. like looms large to me t-bone carla rick uh um sort of like you know and 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 all a lot of other characters malaysia was involved in a couple of songs no um, um no but, okay. but <laughs> sorry <laughs> throwing you off let's set the record straight on on his no hold on i'm still making, <laughs> still making a point i'm still making a point over okay. here homie <laughs> so um but when you and the, but then you do an interview and I express that in the interview, mm -hmm. all that love I was just talking about. Um, but then when the interview comes out, it's just the only mention of T Bone is like, and then they disagreed about history. You know, right. you know what I mean? It's well, like you can't control like yeah the narrative the narrative yeah, yeah, of, yeah. of the media. Well, let's control this one. So that wasn't the case. Um. Well, no, that was the case. It was the case. But okay. I'm just saying there was like. I it was maybe we should cut this part out because I don't I'm not trying to piss off Rolling Stone. Oh no, it's fine. Okay. Um, but then does Peter like? Say, well, then cut out me saying cut out because then that right. Means, does Peter? Can like, you do that? Yeah, I could. I could figure something out. Does Peter step in and say, "Listen, guys, uh, you know, let's let's keep this. Trust me on it." No. 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 Uh, no. Um. It's just one of those things like that was like one of those like that's like after the record's done history was just something we worked on mm -hmm. but it did kind of come from another session like other th some songs came from other sessions like history did exhausted you could tell right. like exhausted was done during the Marcus Drives uh, during Big City Secrets and you can hear the electronic drum stuff like that but I, but the the fact that electronic drum makes its way on exhausted in history to me really work on the record still even though they they kind of veer out of that sort of all organic feel they do it in a way that i think is like a breath of fresh air in the record um and fits right and in the re-release there's 13 new tracks that were from the same sessions that got cut out 13 new tracks well there's a, there's some live live songs from the gypsy tea room that sound fucking fantastic oh thanks uh and then you have a couple of other songs like california on there 
Oh, right. um, and some alternate versions and some other songs. So those were left out and you never reused them. And then who brought up the idea, hey, let's do the 20th anniversary and throw these old tracks on there? Um, I just got a call from Keith, my manager, saying like, hey, Real World wants to do a 20th anniversary re-release of Come to Where I'm From. And would you be interested in helping promote it? Mm -hmm. Basically is how that goes. And then I was like, yeah, of course, that's awesome. You know, um, let's do it. And then, oh yeah, they got this bonus album and then here, and then they sent it to me and I was like, holy shit. I, it was like listening to those songs. I was like, I remember these songs were like amazing to me then. Right. And the fact that they're like getting, seeing the light of day is very gratifying to me. Like, so they were fully mixed from back then. Yeah, yeah. We didn't do anything. Thank to them. As is, Nothing. There's heavy bullets in there. Uh, yeah, and there's that different version of Exhausted and In the Sun. There's mm -hmm. California. There's uh, Frozen Girl, 40 Days, 40 Nights, uh, you know, Ski or Snowboard, and the Cocaine Blind. And then for you, when you get them and you listen to them for the first time, does it sound, it's, what is it? In your mind, you said, oh, my God, these are amazing. Does it sound fresh to you or yeah. does it throw you back to then? And you're like, oh, I remember this. It blows my mind. Do you want me to read you a poem I wrote about, about that? It? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Please. I, please. Um, and all this happened really quickly, right, before you start the poem? Because I found out about this re-release like a couple weeks ago and I was like, wow. Yeah. Um. Yeah, it all happened really quick. You know, it was like just uh, out of the blue. So mm -hmm. this is called Heavy Bullets. Heavy bullets from the past. What a gift this life is. What a glorious gift. Often submerged in darkness and despair. So thick you can barely see it. But what a gift. What an unexplainable, unimaginable gift. Heavy bullets like memories. Those chances when your dreams could come true. Have you ever been there? Have you ever been lucky enough? Hey man, there's a revolution in the air. I feel heavy bullets flying everywhere. We can go high together cause I know you'll never be less than free. Goes the song Real World sent me 20 years old, a voice from my past, my voice, having a conversation with me here now, like cryptic notes from a bygone era or like an episode of Lost or the Twilight Zone where you get to visit your past through a dirty black and white TV. The antenna, a coat hanger, bent to look like who you were supposed to be. Songs work like that. Submerged in your subconscious, they come popping through like oracles telling you your future. And at the same time, revealing the idiot winds of your past. Like opening up an old book of photos you never thought would last. But the photos turn to dreams, come to life and stand before you phantom fighters, bending your mind for deep review. You never let them make you slave. I'll throw my flowers on your grave from in the distance. You were your own worst enemy. You never let yourself get free. It's strange when lyrics speak from the planet of your subconscious mind, ignoring the normal rules of time, speaking to the overall condition of your world in your life cutting through the noise pollution like some kind of magic knife the looseness of this music is the heart of its power 
its force of freedom and wonder, like Big Star when they were burning through the sky of chaotic confusion, still trying to get saved from all these illusions. The yin and yang of surrender and escape, cocaine in Times Square, plummeting into regret and reverting to the power of prayer. Which of us hasn't been there? Hey babe, there's a revolution in the air. I feel heavy bullets flying through the air. We can go high together, cause I know that you could never be less than free. I don't think the me of 20 years ago would be too bummed out by the me now. Still working towards this dream of freedom in an era of ever deepening oppression. Still not willing to let the dream go. No surrender, building up towards the next show. In the distance, I can see the horses run. I hope someday you can see what you've become. Eerie a message like that riding up the west side highway towards the lighthouse. How many mistakes have I made on the path? Too many to count. But the mistakes carve your shadow into form so that you can fight, dance, blow off, and ultimately reconcile with the side of you that tried to put you deep in the dirt. These old songs sing to me from a time I couldn't see where the voice was coming from. Sung from this future self, hearing them now, as if for the first time. Heavy bullets indeed. Indeed. (laughs) (laughs) That's long as hell, dude. When did you write that? I wrote that, like, you know, I don't know, a couple, few weeks ago, like when I was listening to what Real World sent me, basically. You know, though they asked me to write, um, what do you call it? Like a little uh, blurb? Exactly. And a lot of <laughs> often. Sent them a whole. <laughs> I just sent them that. Oftentimes, like, that's what a little blurb will turn into, like, right. a, just a poem. Like, I revert to poetry. Right. It's more easy for me. Did Peter give you a call about this re-release, or did you discuss it at all with him? No, no. We talked. We like uh, talked back via the email or something, like at the beginning of quarantine time, talking about Corona and stuff, checking in. But we didn't talk about this. But uh, yeah, I should reach out. Maybe. Yeah, (laughs) probably a good idea. I, lo- um, I love the guy. Yeah, he's like a mentor to you. I've, m- I've met him through you. We've gone yeah. to a couple of his shows. He's definitely and he always a, makes a point to like meet you, and he's super, very nice. He is very nice. Very humble, very Gentleman. nice. Gentleman. Yeah. And he is a mentor. Yeah. You know, he's a huge, huge presence in my development and in my life. I'm really grateful to him and Real World. I right. mean, I really, really love you have like a, an interesting relationship with them because every now and then like an album comes up and you're like oh maybe real world will want to put this out and yeah. sometimes they do sometimes they don't but it's like you it's not a falling out no we've gone through some you know darker periods but yeah there's right. a great vibe there you yeah, know yeah, yeah. um so and it's cool it's like family though you know it's it's gone through ups and downs but that is the nature of family and speaking of peter um and you've told this story before but i think it it would be nice to tell it now is that he put out in the sun before you put out in the sun that's right on a princess diana tribute how did that happen was that previous to the come to where i'm from recording sessions yeah i think so i think it was uh you sent him like a demo and he loved it or something like that Man, timeline-wise, I don't know when In the Sun popped up. I guess probably it didn't pop up before Big City Secrets. 
But Before Big City Secrets. Nah, no. I think it came after that. Yeah, I probably wrote it in London. I think in South London I wrote right. it. And then I don't know. I don't like right away that song just uh, it was like even like it was like a hit. You just knew internally it was just a hit. Yeah, like it got it is a hit. It I got mean, treated like a hit. Yeah. And that's and then Peter was like, "Hey, I want to do that song." He could spot it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. He's like, hey, listen, this song. I think I'm gonna take that. <laughs> and then he, no, he, he actually did. He change it. I've never heard his version. No, he uh, pulled me aside and said, "Hey, do you or would you mind if I did this?" Mm -hmm. And I was like, well, "Why would I mind?" And he goes, "Well, because you're, you know." It's not out yet. It's not out yet. Yeah. And so I could see it, but it, I never, it just never occurred to me that that wouldn't be great. I didn't really care. Like, even then, like, I, like, I just didn't care that it, like, it that didn't, he, yeah, whatever. my ego didn't get involved yeah. on it in that was way. Was it a big hit for him on that album? I don't know. That's, I, I mean, I wouldn't say it was a big hit for him, but it was definitely a big hit for you. Well, I mean, what, you know define hit but people yeah, still request me. it and it's you know yeah, yeah. It, it's like your yeah. every artist has that mandatory song yeah it's they, my man it's my yeah, mandatory it's song one mandatory it's definitely <laughs> that and, and honey, honey in the moon, in the moon. it's like <laughs> those are my mandatory you have to play those i like both my mandatory yeah, no, tunes like so i'm people don't. i'm i'm i don't mind my yeah. mandatories they're they're good and then somebody then again approached you years later and wanted to use that song Oh yeah, Michael. By the Michael name of Michael Stein. Yeah, that's right. So he also saw something uh, in that in song. Katrina yeah, for Katrina really. Yeah. So yeah. And it's bizarre that story because then he sang on it with Chris Martin. Well, he did a EP of like five, a bunch five of five versions of it. I think even more than five versions of it that you know with lots of collaborators that are like very high profile, and like Justin Timberlake didn't and phase Will, you? Will I Am. I oh, know it did. But the weird, like, no, heavily, and I'm extremely grateful, but it's weird, like, when things like that happen, too. Like, there's right. a dreamlike quality to life when big events like that happen or when you, when you get blasted out of your comfort zone uh -huh. in ways that it could be shocking. There's almost, like, this positive form of disassociation that happens that just kind of gives you the wings to uh, in, encourage to deal with those kind of things. Right, and that just it just shows up, you know. Did you um did you think about not letting him use it, or it was the same attitude as Peter? Like, yeah, whatever you want. Well, the funny thing is, is it was it was a the the there's a, there's an interesting story there because it was going to be in, it's it's in this movie called Saved, mm -hmm. and my and initially I like said I didn't want to let them use the song. Mm -hmm. And he was the producer of that movie. Oh, okay. And he called me up when I was living in New Orleans and I was working on Our Shadows Will Remain. And uh, he called me up and said, and asked if I would reconsider letting so them. So you already said no. I said no. Wow. Back then, you said no to things. Right. I, like, it seems weird that I would have said no, but, but I did. You didn't and say no to Michael. You said no to the people who... I said no to Saved, and then uh, and then um, he asked me if I would reconsider, and I was such a huge fan. I didn't know them yet. Before, this is pre-touring with them. This yeah. is like, yeah. So, <laughs> so he it was like, so I was like, hey, man, okay, you know. 
Oh no, I did. I, maybe I did know them actually. No, I think I did. I don't know. Anyway, it's Michael Stipe. I said, I said yes. Then and then, when Katrina happened, um, he ended up using in the sun. This was years after that, mm -hmm. because he associated me with New Orleans. Because when I said no to that, he called me in New Orleans and remembered using a five hundred four area code. Really? So because I said no to saved yeah it became something this he covered thing. for katrina isn't that funny it's bananas isn't that weird the way that works because if like if i never had said no and he never had to call me he would never have associated me with new orleans right chris martin would never have sung that song. exactly and That's you know what way, else weird way life works and dude. i was thinking about <laughs> this a, a while ago by the way, that version of Chris Martin and Michael Stipe is just for anyone who didn't hear yeah, it. It's just them. like it's jaw dropping. Mm -hmm. And I, and I th I think they played it together live on Austin on Coldplay's Austin City Limits, which that's was right. huge. I think that's the only time they huge. did it, right? Well, or and they did the recording on the album is not from there. It's oh. an actual studio recording. Oh, okay. But it's it's gorgeous. Right. Um, but I was on YouTube and just to show you how things work. There's some kid from Brazil, like this 15-year-old, doing a cover of In the Sun on YouTube, and he titles it In the Sun Coldplay Cover. Mm -hmm. So how things like, so your music gets exposed to this kid in Brazil who thinks it's a Coldplay song. Yeah. And, and Are you trying to trigger me right no, now? No, no, but I'm saying it's amazing. I'm like just everything you just said like the repercussions of it are just like enormous like when you stop and think about that one phone call where you said no yeah to then me watching this kid from brazil playing the song yeah i see what you're bananas. saying you're taking it further yeah yeah it's That's just funny. like yeah i get it's it it's like you you pinpoint the the minute that triggered that it is that phone call yeah so it's just like that's how life works that's funny. you can always go back and find the one point where a decision was made that impacted you know so many things down the line it drives you crazy if you think about that stuff too much yeah, you know yeah, just yeah. like how many like you know yeah. different lives you can live and and that's the thing there's like this always this pressure i feel that like to like make the most of life and you know and i've definitely Done. done the opposite of that <laughs> but uh yeah i definitely feel that more and more all the time right and i want to make the most of every day you know cool i have a i have another question well, how long have we about, gone for i don't know like 45 minutes no yeah, uh, yeah. we've gone longer than <laughs> and, that and for anyone listening we jo have, joe's oh, gonna is, play some songs off is, um Th this has only been 45 minutes i've come an hour almost come it's, it says 58 but i don't i don't know when we started i started a little before five minutes before so it's been like 55 minutes could it have been longer than 60 no. are you sure 100 percent. why because it's only 50 it's 58 minutes oh so it's less than that a little less than that oh, okay yeah yeah, yeah. Because um, I was going to say, it feels like we've been going on forever. Yeah. We, could dude. Wrap, we could wrap it up because we still have like a, a performance coming up and you're going to play some of these songs. Um, yeah. In, in 1999, a year before <laughs> Come to Where I'm From, 
There was a CD called Rusty Water. Yeah, that comes from California. That 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 lyric, you right, know, but like that, uh, that Virgin put that out. Then there were like thirty. Nah. Yeah, there were thirteen songs on that album, and most of them ended up being on "Come to Where I'm From" a year later. No, Virgin did not put that out. Uh, according to my research, they did. Are you no, aware of that? No, no, they did not. No, <laughs> no, that's wrong. It's wrong. Yeah, you know what? Rusty Water was. Uh, it wasn't a release. It was an uh, idea of a title for what the record. I was gonna. The record was gonna be a double record called Rusty Water. Okay. At one point, and it, and it's basically what now we have. Actually, as come to where as I'm come from. to where I'm from, like with the deluxe edition, is basically it was it was gonna be that was rusty water. That was rusty water, but you know what? It probably was gonna, and it was also vacancy. The EP before uh, come to where I'm from mm -hmm. was called Vacancy, and that was uh, which you were all, nominated for a Grammy. For. All part of the same session, really? Uh, yeah, all of it was ah. the same the same thing it was like the pile at the end of the working with t-bone and them was had vacancy in it had in the sun and i mean had come to where i'm from in it and had this new rusty i mean this new uh heavy bullets material as mm -hmm. well so tons and right. so from that we made this ep oh let's make this let's this a first release will be this ep and we'll call it vacancy and that, oh. that will make it seem like it's more indie like they even put it out with like a Portland label it was affiliated with right to make it seem to push the indie <laughs> to make it seem more indie yeah, yeah even though it was really it was genuinely indie already like that's the fucking ironic thing about yeah. it it went that's funny to think about cuz it went from an indie label yeah which it was a product of to a major label who then funneled, re it. funneled it to another <laughs> indie, indie label, label to make it seem indie again. <laughs> it's like laundering money. <laughs> it's like laundering money. So it went it was like through three labels. Like that's funny. Isn't that wild? But and but so yeah. So then there there it is. That's basically. Right. And and mm -hmm. you've grown since and put out dozens of albums nope since stayed then. the same nothing how, how is your writing <laughs> process different today than it was back then when you look back at it other than that you're mature um how uh, i don't know I, you know it's i go through different phases of writing and still it's like art evolves in this like i don't know it's it's at this really slow speed pace i think I, I just feel like but you go through different phases and different experience experiments i guess with uh -huh. with it so i mean i write like with an acoustic guitar in a very folk style and then i write with like drum machines in a in a much more sort of experimental and the drum uh, electronic style and i and i really like both I, yeah I, you know i'm tending lately more towards the acoustic folky thing again because it just feels good with like this quarantine time, you know, yeah. for me. But I, I, I really like uh, playing against just rhythms. I mean, like Tom Waits had the thing where, you know, his singer-songwriter stuff versus when he was like just in a room with like a fucking sledgehammer and a trash can <laughs> and like, 
you know yeah, yeah. those two different styles of tom waits writing I, I really i relate to that like i like that sort of more traditional beautiful song thing i, I like a simple song i yeah. like trying to make a i think it's still fun to try to make a simple pop love song that's really good like that to me seems like a cool way to spend an afternoon yeah yeah but also like trying to push envelopes and go in to do other things is obviously like needed too so constantly writing for you that i know you do goes all the way back to <sighs> to the 90s you've always been like yeah that. pretty yeah pretty much you know, those periods where you let it go. I've been doing the morning pages lately. I did it today. That really helps. For songwriting? It fucking does. It really works. Like uh, for, no, just for poetry or whatever. Just, or your own mental spirit. I don't mm -hmm. know what it is, but the morning pages from the book, The Artist's Way, where you write three pages every morning. Yeah. What did you write about today? You just write gibberish. Really? Yeah, you purposefully don't write anything you want to use or keep or anything. It's literally like just taking out the garbage. It's just like blah, 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 fuck, twist. I'm going to go. And I don't want to reveal too much of my psychology. Right. But <laughs> yeah. you know what I mean? So like, it's just random nonsense. Just random nonsense. Dude. Oh, I thought it was like actual productive, like three no. pages of writing. The opposite of that. Oh, In fact, if you like catch. Like out your cash. You're just basically what you're doing is you're training yourself just write just don't fucking think, think. like like when you make stuff like when you make films or when you make things it's like and i said it like well yeah like you just just do it just mm -hmm. go in go in and uh and um don't overthink it like thinking sort of stops the thing so yeah morning pages it's that it, it kind of pushes you just to like go for it the best is yet to come cool cool Okay, well, that concludes our Come to Where I'm From podcast on Come to Where I'm From, the album. Dude, I think you did a really good job. Thank you. Thanks for interviewing me yeah. and for doing that and for having the idea to do that. It wasn't, I don't know, I, I felt easy about it. Yeah. No, I, I felt fun. like no pressure. I actually did feel like a guest on the show. <laughs> I really did. Like, I felt like it was somebody else's problem. <laughs> that was my attitude about it. Well, it was fun. Thanks for... It uh, was fun. Yeah, yeah, it was fun. And the album's available good, good everywhere. Good work in the field, dude. Um, and Joe will play a few songs now. More than a few. More than a few. A shitload. Some new ones and mostly couple come new. to where I'm from classics. Couple outtakes, couple um, intakes. Thank you for all our listeners and supporters on Patreon. And Please um, keep supporting. We we're gonna keep we're these gonna keep podcasts going. We're coming. We're gonna keep going. Yeah, um, we got some exciting ones coming up. And that's it. Thank you very much. Thank you. See you soon. Hi, I'm Joseph Arthur here at Cafe Bohemia in New York City in the West Village. About to do a song called California, which is from Come to Where I'm From reissue, uh, 20th anniversary edition. This is one of the AKA bonus tracks, California. Here we go. Well, I tried to hold you, but you could not be held. I had to let you go. Maybe I still don't know you, but I am waiting for you to make it back here on your own. 
California's not my home I'll still be here when you're gone And I tried to warn you But you did not believe me when I said I should never drink So when we tied one on All of my anger poured out Like rusty water from a tortured sink Oh darling, please forgive me Sometimes I lose my temper I regret everything I said but it's so hard for me to not become aggravated From all the noise you put in my head California's not my home I'll still be here when you're gone I wish we could rewind When love becomes unkind I know it's strange Arrested for my crime I'm serving up this time Feels like a million days I hope you keep in mind change I know you lost respect but somehow I'll get it back this time I'm really getting clean and now I know for sure those things I thought before were just the voice of my disease California's not my home I'll still be here when you're gone California's not my home Yeah, so these were like the first two, I mean, these were my, I think, this one was one of my favorite ones from the new bonus track album. 
That's why I made it the de facto title track, Heavy Bullets. And uh, interestingly, just getting a song released that's 20 years old and then it starts out with line, a line like, hey man, there's a revolution over here. I feel heavy bullets flying everywhere. We can fly high together because I know you'll never be less than free. And it, in these times, it was kind of hit me between the eyes. Um, so here you go. This one's called Heavy Bullets. Hey man, there's a revolution over here. I feel heavy bullets flying through the air. We can fly high together. Cause I This one is called Tattoo. This is from Come to Where I'm From, the proper album. And uh, it's very, uh, I don't know, it's got an autobiographical element to it. It comes 
from real life stories, I guess. And uh, I don't know. It's one that's always stuck around. I don't even know what that means. It's always stuck around, but it means I, I can always play it. Some of, some of the songs you forget and you can't play on a dime. This one I can. It's easy. Here we go. I miss the days when you were in my world It seems like it was a lifetime ago We said our goodbye with tears And promised to not let the years get away But that's something you just have to say In my pain Is where I tattoo your name Was it a dream? Was it a dream? Going round and round and round and round Your heart Jeremy said he saw you out on second half And you look like you could use some sleep You told him you sobered up But now you are giving that up Cause sometimes Love isn't stronger than wine In my pain Is where I tattooed your name Was it a dream? Was it a dream? about me What I heard is you consider me dead I guess that's fair of you I never was good to you, now I'm ashamed For making you feel all my
Oh, so yeah, I could stick to mainly come to where I'm from classics, but here's a new one I'm throwing in. This is the intro of it. Here's a little new one, just because, you know, I like bending the rules. It's called The Movies. Hopefully we'll be able to go to the movies again soon. I can see right through it Maybe it's not there at all I wish I could hear you But I guess it's too late to call Could take you out dancing. We could find another scene. We could go to the movies and then jump up on the screen. I'll be Bogart, you'll be Bacall. We'll cast the shadows on. This one was when I actually wrote this during the recording of my first album called Big City Secrets. Um, and Marcus Drives, I think, 
pushed me to write a, like a rock rock and roll anthem and i had a hard time trusting this song because i kind of like forced myself to write it and before that point i'd always kind of just like gone off of inspiration and this one i kind of like purposefully wrote so it it had a hard, it, i don't know there's something about it i was like i'm not sure if i tr can trust you but then i've grown to uh trust it and that's the way creativity i think works is like you can kind of sometimes like the myth self-mythologizing or making too much of a myth out of uh, the creative process can limit it because when you look back uh, across a creative life a lot of the greatest work is like just industrious just getting down to it even if you don't feel like it even if it doesn't feel like heaven sent so anyway this is a, a song called exhausted i never sleep i've been awake for what feels like a year Cause when I dream My mind it puts a face to each one of my fears I'm exhausted by my imagination I close my I heard you call my name, but it was only in my mind. 
This one is called History, and it was uh, the one Peter Gabriel actually told me that he signed me to the label or was first really intrigued by my demo tape with the line in this one, which is your history, acts as your gravity, acts as your history, acts as your gravity, which I guess is kind of referencing if sort of traumas of your early days can how they can affect your entire life. but uh, And also, you know, the ways in which you were... Uh, given your needs were fulfilled, all that stuff. Anyway, so it's like a kind of a deep song. You're the shaded sun Your daddy's broken gun You're the loneliest moon You are a butterfly dreaming about your cocoon you're the only sound I hear when I am blind So I label you mine and you are You're the house you grew up in You're always just arriving at your end You're your mama's shitting grin And your daddy's double chin You're the first pair of shoes you went to school in you're the kid pretending she's in prison by the bars of the jungle gym. And someone's gonna give you wings. You think it's what you need.
Okay, so yeah, I retired the harmonica um, for the reason of I like tuning to 432. I, I mean, I haven't retired the harmonica, but I've been trying to uh, figure out a solo acoustic format that doesn't utilize the harmonica. Um, but I love the harmonica. Anyway, so this is like the resurgence of the harmonica. I tuned this guitar to 440s just so I could play it. But it's an old harmonica, so it's slightly out of tune. Hopefully that lends an emotional bent, an emotional bent to uh, the song. Hopefully it, it pulls at your heartstrings instead of scratches on the chalkboard of your mind. This is called Ashes Everywhere, Everywhere, Everywhere. Hold on one second. Keith is coming in. All right. Studio audience. Ehud, who's filming, and Mr. Keith Hagen. Manager. <laughs> Shout out. Here we go. I'll be silent in my solitude. Can't find my smile, my gratitude. I'm afraid of what I might do. Cause there's no me if there's no me and you. I wish that I could open up your eyes To feel the sun that burned in your mind I can't deal with what you have done Reincarnate, I wonder who I might become with the potential of a loaded gun I could be as fresh as hard bubble gone I don't have nothing now, I want me some First some of you, then some of
darling, since you've been away from me, I know how the pins feel in the bowling alley. They say love is something you feel but never see. When I see you, I finally disagree. I'm just trying to be all that I can be Without destroying you now Or joining anyone's army Your ashes must be blowing everywhere Cause I can still feel you and you're nowhere Say so I can tell that you still care We could have had it all but then nothing is fair I still think about washing your hair I wish I could have washed away all of your despair This one is called Speed of Light. I remember when we cut it, it was uh, Carla Azar, the drummer, amazing drummer, amazing musician, artist. She played like a kid's toy drum kit. And it was just fun. It was, uh, it was in the big room at Sound City. And uh, yeah, we just kind of went out there and it was like, we were like kids. Um, her, I think her drum kit inspired the vibe of it. Anyway, here you go. Good night, New Orleans. Things are exactly as they seem. But I'm nowhere around. Hello. Mexico You're where I was told to go If I don't want to be found There's no end to the winter When you're waking at the break in the middle of summer Living at the speed of light Someday we may 
each other and then look the other way But I love you just the same And if you hate your life Just remember that used to be a time When we could not new ones but mainly just all old come to where I'm from classics Sprinkle a few new ones like this uh, like this uh, jumpy little number called Avenue of Control speaking on today's times here we go receive the message fear will bleed your soul On the avenue of control Never surrender Or let them take you home On the avenue of control A weapon 
set to explode On the avenue of control called Invisible Hands. Joseph Campbell had that thing. He said, uh, follow your bliss until invisible hands, and invisible hands will help you. So, this is like, uh, this really has nothing to do with that, I don't think. I just like the idea of invisible hands, but I think that's where I got the lyric from when he said that. Okay, so here we go. to go far away and shut the door on who you love 
I don't know now where you are Your photograph sits like a scar against my wall Such a pretty face Sunshine in your eyes Taking on that day When all we had was love So this one is called Chemical. I remember my, like, uh, I wrote this after my friend played me a song, a cover song of a Bob Dylan song, and he played this chord uh, into this. And I was like, or something like that. Back then it was like everything would inspire you to write a song because it was so new, everything. So it's like, oh, you could write a song using that, and then you would just, like, mess around and start working on things and they would, and one thing would lead to another and it would become something completely different like this one taking my medicine changing 
changing the way I am I don't know where I've been But I was well behaved I don't know who you are Coming out of my scar Driving my crashing car That needs a coat of paint Can it go?
the real you I knew the real you I miss you the real you
of this in South London in a, 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 a land called Streatham Common and I just uh, this was after I moved to London after the fir- uh, for the first record I did at Real World and yeah, I just would spend my days writing songs and this was one of them I just remember uh, walking around that flat in South London singing this song over and over and over again I wrote it for a friend of mine who passed away uh, from cancer in high school and it's called In the Sun Picture you in the sun Wondering what went wrong Falling down on your knees Asking for sympathy Being caught in between all you wish for and all you seem And trying to find anything you can feel That you can believe in May God's love be with you always May God's love be with you I know I would apologize if I could see your eyes cause when you showed me myself you know I became someone else but I was caught in between all you wish for and all you Picture you fast asleep The nightmare comes You can't keep away May God's love be with you Always May God's love be with you If I find, if I find my own way, how much will I find? 
I'm not even sure If there is anyone who is in the sun Will you help me to understand? Cause I've been caught in between all you wish for And all you see, well maybe you're not even sure what it's for Any more than me May God's love be with you God's love be with you always. May God's love be with you always. May God's love be with you if I Cheers. Cheers, fellas. <laughs> All right, well, this one is called Travel as Equals. And I just feel like it's a song. It's not from Come to Where I'm From, and it's not new, but it just feels like a song right for the times. Thanks for tuning in. In the dark, a graveyard chatter In the light of freedom's call In the heat of any matter Travel as equals or not at all Bloom disgust, class divide I saw it written on the wall The only way we can survive Travel as equals or not at all You can't be in greater comfort As my pain prevents your fall The truth will come and tell us, brother Travel as equals or not at all And when we get to where we're going Past the divide, past the stall, past the wind that's always blowing Travel as equals, or not at all Your way, find the way free Your way, find the way, follow me Give it up, give it up Have a greater income or you might be dumb and dull 
Either way I won't leave you Travel as equals or not at all So help me too In my slumber if I'm blind in madness hall If I'm deaf amongst the thunder Travel as equals or not at all Lift the way, forget the ransom Free the chain, kick the ball Let our love take us higher Travel as equals or not at all And down the road and through the sky And on the tracks you can hear the gall Fly above us without worry Travel as equals or not at all I hope your road takes you homeward May you always outrun the law If I'm with you we will always travel as equals or not at all I hope your road takes you homeward May you always outrun the law If I'm with you we will always travel as equals or not at all I hope your road takes you homeward May you always outrun the law If I'm with you we will always travel as equals or Thanks for tuning in, everybody, and uh, yeah, enjoy yourselves, stay sane. Thanks for checking out Come To Where I'm From. Please support us on Patreon, patreon.com slash come to where I'm from. We are an independent podcast and any contributions you can make are greatly appreciated.